0: This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Uh, Sad times. A legendary American brand is saying goodbye to a pair of its signature models. We'll give you the gory details. Sad face on Chris Teague. A new federal legislation just signed by the White House ends the former $7,500 tax credit for the purchase of an electric vehicle. In its place, a much more complicated series of credits and incentives for consumers, global automakers, will try to sort all of that out for you. It's a mishmash, as you can imagine, it came from Congress. <laughs> what do you expect? America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and drivingtoday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury. So imagine how much you could save. I quote today at drivingtoday.com autoinsurance That's drivingtoday.com auto hyphen insurance. Love that little hyphen in there. Hi, I'm Jack Nerad. With me is co-host Chris Teague back with us after a week off. And, and it wasn't a fun week either. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, uh, try to help you get the right car for you and your family. Chris, you couldn't be with us last week because you had a bit of a home disaster. Why don't you let us know how that uh, happened and how did it turn out?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think anybody listening to the show for a few weeks in a row might uh, believe that my life is just one disaster after another, but 2022 has been an unlucky year. Uh, Our 250-almost-year-old house uh, has galvanized pipes, and they decided they were going to give up the ghost last week and uh, flood the inside of our dining room wall, so... Uh, We spent the weekend cleaning that up and uh, have some pipes. Uh, Plumbers are downstairs this morning finishing up, so now we have water. Everybody is happy except for my bank account, so we're good to go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not easy, is it? Owning a home, you always have stuff that can go wrong. There's no doubt about that. That's right what vehicle will you be speaking about this week?
1: Well, the car was the high point of my week. I had the uh, 2022 Hyundai Elantra N. I'll tell you all about it.
0: And I got the chance to drive the significantly revised 2023 Hyundai Palisade. We're going to have an all-Hyundai road test segment. Uh, I was at a driving event in Nashville, North Carolina that uh, Chris Teague was supposed to join me at and couldn't do it at the last minute. Uh, That was sad, too. But We'll tell you all about that vehicle, all about the event. It was an interesting event uh, in more ways than one. We have a terrific interview for you as well. Our special guest is Brett Dick. He is the lead development engineer for the Chevrolet Blazer EV, so we'll be talking with him. But before we do anything else, we'll be bringing uh, you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world. So stay with us. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nierad, and we're so glad you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague. This is Jackie Redback with you. We're so glad. Chris is back with us this week. A little home problem, but uh, sorted out largely and getting sorted out. So we've got that going for us. And uh, what we have going for us right now is uh, the latest automotive news, including very sad news. At least it's sad news to me and uh, probably sad news to you too, Chris. Uh, Dodge is going to be saying goodbye to the Charger and Challenger, at least in their current form is, is what they say. Uh, I don't know what that means. I think we're going to see some electrified performance cars if we see anything from Dodge coming forward. Uh, You know, all of the uh, Stellantis brands are potentially on the chopping block here, so uh, you never know. But we're hopeful that Dodge uh, remains with us. But they're going to go out with a blaze of uh, glory if they're going out. There are seven new models uh, of Challenger and Charger uh, as we charge into the 2023 model year and they will each have a last call under hood plaque <laughs> you know a little little gravestone attached to them uh saying well you know these are among the last what's your take number one on just seeing these uh, muscle cars go out of production
1: well i gotta say i always had a little bit of a fantasy in the back of my mind that i would own one of these cars one day you know the completely impractical and I don't think my wife would allow it, but it's not surprising that you know they're going to these these cars are going away even from Dodge. You know the company that uh, kind of put all of its weight behind these engines uh, just a few years ago. So uh, the world is going electric, and I, I don't blame them for doing it. It's not a surprise, but I'm not super stoked about it.
0: Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting. We talked to Tim Kaniskas about uh, Dodge. He's the head of the Dodge brand, and where they're going forward. He believes there's a future for the brand, certainly. It's a future that involves performance because that's what people are excited about. I think we reported maybe two or three weeks ago about the uh, J.D. Power Appeals study where Dodge was uh, top dog, uh, because people are so excited about their cars. At least their owners are excited about them. I'm not sure people in general are, are that excited about Dodges, but, but certainly Dodge owners are. There have been some 3 million Dodge vehicles built since the Charger was launched in 2005. So uh, somebody's buying them, that's for certain. And like you, I like this stuff. Of course, I grew up in the muscle car era. Uh, you know, I was around when uh, GTO and uh, you know all of those vehicles were out there. The Pontiac GTO, probably the the bellwether among muscle cars, but certainly saw all of them. So it's interesting. They will have seven heritage-influenced models for the 2023 model year. Uh, They announced these during their Dodge Speed Week, which is going on this week in Michigan. Each of these will be the very last of its kind, and the very last of all of these will be introduced at the SEMA show, the Specialty Equipment Market Association show in Las Vegas. That's going to happen on November 1st. So right after Halloween. One of the cool things about this is they're bringing back some of these heritage colors, including my particular favorite, not that I would ever own a car, I think this color, but uh, I love the idea of it. It is plum crazy, that purple. There's uh, B5 Blue and Sublime Green, so that's kind of a play on words, I guess. How, do, how about these big time colors? Uh, are you a fan of that or?
1: Yeah, you know, I actually went on the drive for the uh, Challenger Hellcat Widebody back in, uh, I think it was 2018, and the first car I drove was Plum Crazy Purple, and I just fell in love with that color. And the second car I drove at that event was uh, Destroyer Gray, which another which is another color they're bringing back, but that's not a, I don't think that's a vintage color, but I love Dodge's colors, you know, they do the vintage, Thing really well without being super corny about it, Um, and I think that they're going to do a good job with these these seven heritage models. So, uh, wish I could pick one up, but again, I don't think I'll be able to.
0: Right. They're also going to have the 345 Fender badging denoting the cubic inch displacement of the Hemi engine that's under the hood of most of these vehicles. So, uh, cool stuff. And uh, you know, it isn't often you can buy a vehicle out of the showroom that has 800 horsepower, but you can from Dodge. Uh, and you don't actually pay all that much money for it uh, compared to, to supercars out there. So uh, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I've always loved the SRT stuff, and they're going to have a bunch of that. So it's kind of wistful for me to say goodbye to the, the various Dodges here, the Charger and Challenger. And uh, it'll be fascinating to see what comes in their, in their wake, right? Yeah,
1: electric muscle car uh, could be very, very exciting. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, certainly there's plenty of torque there to go around. Well, uh, we have talked about this legislation. This isn't a political show, so uh, we don't want to get political about it. But this does affect the car buyer uh, because this latest legislation that uh, has just been signed into law by uh, our president is uh, eliminating the $7,500 electric vehicle tax credit and replacing them with uh, a much more complicated series of credits, rebates, things for manufacturers, uh, you know, corporate welfare. As I think uh, you probably know, if you've heard me on the show, I'm not a big fan of uh, tax credits for anybody or for anything, for any entity. You know, I'd like to see the market uh, take care of things. And I think that's the most democratic and fair way of going about that. By that, I mean, democratic with a small d, of course. What's your take on uh, all this? I I mean, uh, from a big picture point of view, the the elimination of the $7,500 tax credit.
1: I think it makes buying an EV uh, a lot simpler and I think it puts the onus on the automakers now to, you know, develop their own pricing strategies instead of relying on a $7,500 tax credit to, to push this. And, you know, I think I, I, expressed a little bit of different view a few weeks ago. Uh, I spent the last you know few weeks thinking about this. Uh, and I think for the buyer from a buyer's point of view, this, uh, could be a positive thing just from understanding how things are priced and how things are, are being sold. Um, especially in the world that we live in where, where dealers mark things up and you know, pricing could be kind of confusing. So I like to see something from the automakers, uh, with a, either a transparent list of or pricing, you know, or from the dealers, that sort of thing. So, um, uh, I'll have to wait and see how this this new the new deal I guess without using that that word too heavily yeah. plays out, but it's interesting
0: without <laughs> capital letters in it, right? Uh, yes, uh, there exactly. is a uh, four thousand dollar rebate for used EVs in this, so I think there's something to that. Uh, although, again, I'm I'm in favor of no rebates. I'm in favor of the market working and you know prices being what they are. Here's an interesting thing I think. Uh, what it's going to do in the short term is probably limit sales of electric vehicles. I, I think there's almost no doubt about that. There's a group called the Alliance for Automotive Innovation. Uh, this is a, a lobbying group, essentially uh, a public interest lobbying group that uh, is funded by Volkswagen, General Motors, Toyota, and Ford, among other uh, manufacturers. They said that the law will make 70% of the electric plug-in and fuel cell vehicles um out there currently ineligible who make them ineligible for a a tax credit I mean that's that's a pretty big deal right there then they say in January 1st there are income and price caps so income of the person who's getting the uh, tax rebate price caps on the cost of the vehicle being purchased and then there are battery and mineral sourcing rules Uh, when all that goes into effect Essentially, (laughs) EVs are going to get no kind of tax credits, largely. The Congressional Budget Office says that 11,000 new EVs will receive tax credits in 2023 with the $7,500. So that's hardly any, right? 11,000 vehicles. Audi, Kia, and Porsche said that buyers of its EVs will lose all access to federal tax credits, which depending how, on how you look at it is a good thing here's one of the things that uh, you could comment on Chris uh, the bill makes EVs assembled outside North America ineligible for tax credits and so of course the import manufacturers not wild about that a lot of uh, electric vehicles are made overseas
1: well you know again we we come back to this I think it should be up to the buyer the buyer should be able to decide you know what they're buying who whom they are buying it from uh, and where it comes from. The, the tax credits, you know, look at, and these are both domestic automakers, but Chevrolet and Tesla, uh, the Chevy Bolt and the Tesla Model 3, those cars have not been eligible for the tax credits for quite a while now. And uh, other than that major recall for the Bolt, they've both sold uh, tremendously well, and they're, you know, people seem to love them. So I think with some effort and some, uh, some work, uh, they could get around it and do just fine without the tax credits. And just as a side note, Audi, Kia, and Porsche have never been eligible eligible for Maine's state tax credits because of the price of the vehicles, Uh, and so, like, only certain trims of the Ford Mustang Mach-E and things like that. So, you know, at the state level, these sorts of things have been going on for a while, I think.
0: Well, and it's interesting, too, that you mentioned General Motors with Chevrolet, uh, Bolt and Tesla have been ineligible. They will become eligible again after January 1, depending on the price of their vehicles. The Bolt, I think, will be able to get federal tax credits, whether it'll get $7,500 or not is open to question now. I'm just not certain about that. But um, this is, <laughs> we thought we understood this, right? And then Congress wades in and we don't understand it at all. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's a lot worse. I don't know. I think in the short term, Uh, It's not going to be very good for electric vehicle sales. And uh, interestingly, I think it was designed just to do the opposite.
1: (laughs) Wait and see, I guess. Wait and
0: see. Right. Well, when we come back, we will be doing some road testing of some pretty cool vehicles. And uh, those vehicles are both from Hyundai, um, the Hyundai Elantra N and the brand new 2023 Hyundai Palisade that I got a chance to drive in North Carolina, you know, near where I think Chris T grew up. Uh, so we'll talk about that when we come back. Stay with us. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. <music> Welcome back to America on the Road with Christie, Jackie Redback with you. It's road test time. and We have uh, two Hyundai vehicles this time around. It isn't usually the case that we uh, test two vehicles from the same manufacturer, but I guess we're doing this two weeks in a row or, or something like that in any case, but there's certainly nothing wrong with that. You were driving the Hyundai Elantra N. Tell us about that.
1: I was. You know, I wasn't able to travel to the Hyundai event to meet with you, but I actually got to spend a week in a very nice Hyundai vehicle, so I was happy about that. Uh, this is the 2022 Hyundai Elantra N. Uh, Jack, if and for those of you listening who aren't familiar, the N brand is Hyundai's sort of, uh, it's not sort of, it is their performance brand. It's, if you can think of it like uh, BMW M or Mercedes AMG, it's that sort of, you know, separate level within the company. But uh, the standard Elantra starts around $20,000. My test car landed at just over $33,000. Uh, and there's a big difference in that money, and you'll see where it comes in. So uh, the standard Elantra gets a two liter uh, four cylinder engine. It makes around 147 horsepower. The Hyundai Elantra N gets It's a turbocharged 2.0 liter engine that makes 276 horsepower and has a temporary boost mode up to 286 horsepower. They call that, uh, Jack, you're gonna probably smile at this, the in-grin shift uh, is what they call that. (laughs) I'm doing Uh, more than
0: smiling, I'm laughing, that's that's
1: good. Yeah, the in-grin laugh, I guess. Uh, And it's 289 uh, pound-feet of torque. So that is a 34 horsepower more than my Golf GTI, so the 2022 Golf GTI, Uh, and it is quite a bit for a car of this size, I have to tell you. The car runs zero to 60 in just over five seconds, uh, which compared to the standard Elantra, which takes somewhere around eight and a half seconds. Uh, is a dramatic difference between it and the standard car. Uh, that also makes it quicker than the new Golf GTI by about half a second, so uh, very quick car. I mentioned uh, my car had a six-speed manual transmission. Uh, you can also get it with an eight-speed uh, dual clutch, I'm sorry, wet clutch DCT gearbox. Uh, I've tested this gearbox in the Hyundai Kona N. I think you did as well, Jack. Uh, what do you think about Hyundai's uh, performance DCTs and how they're implemented in the end cars?
0: Well, I think it makes a lot of sense in the end cars. I think they're also in some non-end cars, non-performance cars, where I I question them a little bit, but I think they work pretty well uh, in those kind of vehicles where you want to have control of manual shifting at times, uh, and they work quickly. I mean, certainly you get very quick sure shifts which is what you want
1: yeah and the six-speed gearbox in this car uh it just feels great you know this the the shifter feels nice and uh it's notched nicely it just slots right into gear uh the one thing that they do with the gear shift that i really like is uh the reverse gear has a little collar on the uh, gear shift you have to pull up before you can Pull it around. It just makes it uh, a little bit more confident, so you're not going to shift in reverse when you're trying to hit first gear. Uh, handling on this car is razor sharp. It's got electronically controlled suspension. My test car had Michelin Michelin Pilot Sport 4S summer tires, which will be useless here in Maine uh, in about six weeks when the temperature starts dropping again. Uh, but I think a good set of all seasons would do just fine on this car year-round comes standard with some really nice tech and features and led headlights the you get a standard sunroof but only on the cars that have the dct it didn't does not come with the six-speed manual cars uh inside it's got a 10.25 inch infotainment touchscreen. it runs wired apple carplay and android auto sirius xm radio usb c inputs uh and the whole gamut of of uh tech there. Uh, my car had the safety package, so I've got blind spot monitoring, rear cross-traffic alerts uh, with uh, automatic rear braking. And I have to say, Jack, I'm going to get your feeling on, on this as well. Uh, we had our town fair uh, in my town at this this past week, and there are lots of traffic, so I'm trying to back out of my driveway uh, in a manual car with rear automatic braking, and the car just you know freaks out Stalling the clutch like trying to get the car started again. There their cars everywhere around me. What are your feelings on uh, you know, rear automatic braking and some of these uh, safety features specifically with manual transmission cars? I think it's an interesting sort of mix to, to to bring those two together.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult situation, right? When the car decides it's going to stop, but you're not aware of that and you don't pull a a push a clutch in and, you know, suddenly your your vehicle stalls, your engine stalled, and you're kind of embarrassed. And a lot of times it'll happen when it wasn't really necessary, right? I mean, you're paying attention. It's sensing stuff that maybe you're okay with, uh, but it's, you know, machine and and you're not. uh, So you're bringing some human judgment to this. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I'm all in favor of controlling the car. Certainly uh, there are times when this stuff has helped me and kept me out of trouble. So it's 50-50, I think.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's a hit to the ego when you stall like that, even if it is the car that that does it for you. Um, In any case, the inside of this car, it's a very dark color, but uh, Hyundai did some good, they implemented some nice touches. So there's light blue stitching throughout. Uh, Blue is my favorite color. Uh, Really made me happy to see that. The interior is uh, Alcantara, which is a suede-like material. That's the upholstery. And uh, one thing it does is it really grips your body. So when you go around a corner, It, you know, kind of grips your clothes so you're not sliding all around. And the front seats in this car are very heavily bolstered. I found out that I am a little bit too wide (laughs) for the... Usually uh, you're too tall, right? I mean, at six feet. Too tall, yeah, yeah. you know. (laughs) Perfectly fine with that this time around, but just too wide for the seats. Otherwise, the interior of this car feels a little bit nicer than the standard Elantra. That's very sporty. Uh, And, Jack, I really love this car all the way around. Uh, You know, a couple of hiccups with the safety equipment aside, uh, I had a great week with it. And for thirty-three grand, you can't beat it. It's a total bargain.
0: Now you have a, a very direct comparison in your driveway, right? I mean, are, are I pretty. Do. Yeah. W- what's your take? I mean, uh, any buyers' remorse on the Volkswagen?
1: I think the Hyundai's tech is much better for me. The Volkswagen, uh, the infotainment—you you can read paragraphs and paragraphs about this on the internet—but I've experienced all those—the slowness and the clunkiness. For me, the Volkswagen's interior is more upscale. It's more comfortable, um, and I just like the the ergonomics of the Volkswagen better. Uh, but the Hyundai is quicker. The handling, I think, is sharper and it has better tech. So I think it's a trade-off. Uh, you can get one or the other.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting. And that Hyundai would have a performance car that rivals one of the legendary hot hatches of all time, right? So that's yeah. That's the Hyundai's cool.
1: five thousand dollars cheaper too. You can, that's nothing to sneeze at.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, a lot of things going on there. Well, certainly that's what Hyundai does, and I, I found that in the Hyundai Palisade that I tested, the, the uh, all new 2023. It's not really all new. I, I should uh, backtrack on that. It is significantly revised. Let's put it that, this way: it's kind of a mid-cycle refresh, is what they call it in the industry. It was introduced in the the Palisade was introduced in the 2020 model year. I went to that event. Was very very impressed and. Hyundai was uh, approaching a very difficult market. This is the second biggest segment in the U.S. market, midsize SUV, midsize crossover SUV. And there's some big names in this Ford Explorer, Toyota Highlander, the Honda Pilot, uh, Nissan Pathfinder. There's a lot of um, vehicles that sell a lot of uh, units uh, playing in this field. But uh, And Hyundai had no track record in this, but they waded in with their typical formula, which is You know, excellent build quality, a lot of value, throw a lot of equipment at folks for a a good amount of money. And it certainly worked. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're kind of doubling down on that for the 2023. It has more stuff, it is a, a large part of. Hyundai's crossover strategy, which now extends across the Venue, Tucson, the Santa Fe, and the Ionic 5, which is their EV. You could even make the case that the Santa Cruz pickup truck is a, a crossover utility in a way, but certainly they're going after that. And value pricing is still there. I mean, we've, we've talked about price increases on the show recently, but uh, Hyundai is is sticking with the Pretty good pricing, uh, I'd say excellent pricing for for the Palisade. It starts at under thirty-five thousand dollars. Okay, just under thirty-five thousand dollars, but under thirty-five thousand dollars. And then it goes up. The uh, top of the line is a vehicle called the or trim called the Calligraphy, and it's about fifty thousand dollars, just a little over fifty thousand dollars. And you're hard pressed to put more and pay more than that for it because it's got darn near everything. Uh, they have added a guess what? A blackout treatment. (laughs) The XRT trim, uh, it has uh, black alloy wheels, dark tone alloy wheels, a dark tone grille, black leatherette seats, you know, what's your take overall on uh, Palisade value? You've certainly driven Palisades over the years.
1: Palisade value is great. And I love the approach they took as opposed to Kia. So, you know, you have the Kia uh, Telluride, which is a little bit sportier and more muscular. And then you have the Palisade, which is classier and a little bit more upscale. So uh, I love the styling. I think it's it's kind of polarizing, but I think it's great. And the value, as you say, even at the bottom end, the vehicles that feels upscale and premium. So uh, kudos to them. I can't wait to drive the 2023.
0: Right, they did what they call a facelift on this. I guess we'd all call it a facelift. It, it, it largely changes the face of the vehicle. They put a more prominent grill on this thing. I think, in some ways, to compete. I actually asked the the folks at at Hyundai uh, were they a little bit miffed that uh, Kia got all the kudos for how good the Telluride looked and. Uh, they say I, I think waffled on that a little bit, but I think the the change is to give it a a little more presence. The calligraphy model that I was driving had a bunch of up- upscale features, including the Ergo Motion massaging driver's seat. And I know that Chris loves the massaging driver's seat. It has my Napa,
1: favorite feature.
0: <laughs> Napa le- leather seating, video full display rear view mirror. So if you have a bunch of clutter behind you, it doesn't use the regular mirror. It uses a camera that's. Peeks out the rear spoiler and gives you a clear view of the rest, of what's behind you. And this was $52,000 was the MSRP on the vehicle that I drove. So very, very good value, I think. Some of the changes, the changes aren't all that great uh, in terms of scope. They are great in terms of quality. But it does have an integrated hitch cover now uh, on the rear hitch. They revised the rear end a little bit so you don't have your hitch hanging out because who wants that all the time? It has auto dimming side mirrors, which I think is a, a, nice, a nice feature. It has big truck-like mirrors on the sides and they gather up a lot of light and get a lot of headlights uh, at night. So those things are being auto dimming. Uh, the Ergomotion driver's seat is kind of fascinating and it has internal bladders that inflate and deflate. And Hyundai describes it as uh, massaging you on the lumbar spine and the pelvic areas which maybe I would describe that in a little different way. But I guess I've used their description. I would say overall, uh, they've just done a nice job of making this that much better. There is a digital key to um, better blue link connectivity, a Wi-Fi hotspot. So there's a lot of things that have been added. Digital key Two allows you to use your even your Apple Watch. I like the uh, full display rearview mirror. Once you get used to it. Uh, It drives just like the old Palisade. They haven't changed the horsepower. The fuel economy is about the same. I I think it's just a good value uh, overall. I think they've done really wise things to it. And uh, that's my overall take on the 2023 Hyundai Palisade. Good value.
1: Couldn't agree more.
0: Very good. And when we come back, our special guest will be Brett Dick. He is the lead development engineer on the Chevrolet Blazer EV. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you, and we're so glad you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road, this is Jack Red with you, and I'm really excited to talk to our next guest. Uh, Brett Dick is the lead development engineer on an uh, exciting new vehicle, the Chevrolet Blazer EV. And uh, number one, Brett, thanks for being with us. We appreciate you being with us on America on the Road.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you uh, taking the time, and thanks for having me.
0: This has got to be a really exciting project for you. I mean, this is a mainstream vehicle. This is an important vehicle for Chevrolet, for General Motors, just for the whole uh, EV thing going forward. Uh, tell us a, a bit about the the program itself.
2: Yeah, so so the the Blazer EV, um, it it you know it, obviously we we've, we've had some. Success in history with Blazer, but the the only thing common with the current Ice Blazer is actually the name. This is a brand, brand new, ground up vehicle uh, based off the GM Ultium platform. It, you know, so it it it, uh, um, it it makes it very flexible from a drive configuration standpoint and the and the options we have as well as range options. And there's really a model that would fit any person's needs. Um, and, and so, it, it, you know, that that's one of the other things that makes it extremely exciting. Um, you, you know, we we have a model for everyone.
0: How big is this vehicle? I mean, what are some uh, competitive vehicles that can, people can kind of size it up with? And of course, the current Blazer is a is a good size comparison too, right?
2: Yeah. So that you know the, not to speak to the competitors, but you know, that I you know to the, the 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 current Ice Blazer is a good is a good comparison. Size-wise, it's it's
0: actually and by ice blazer you mean internal combustion engine. Internal combustion engine. Sorry for using the uh, acronyms. Yes,
2: the the acronyms. You know, obviously GM's. We use a lot of acronyms, as you probably know. (laughs) But yes, internal combustion engine. um, You know, it's it's a four long four inch longer wheelbase um, than some of the competitors. Just based off the Ultium, the Ultium platforms allowed us to. Make the track width a little bit light, wider, and the vehicle a little bit longer, uh, as well as lower, uh, to help the CG for some of our variants, including our very first SS Blazer or our very first SSEV.
0: Right, which is really very exciting. I mean, this whole thing is exciting, and you know we've characterized the Ultium platform as kind of an Erector set. I mean, you have all these parts that you can. Either pull in or pull out, or and and one of the things we've talked about on the show already is the fact that the Blazer is going to be available as front drive, rear drive, or all wheel drive, which I, that's unprecedented as far as I'm as far as I know. Talk about the Ultium platform and what this ina- has enabled you to do with the Blazer EV.
2: Well, you you kind of you kind of mentioned it. So so the Ultium platform um, allows us to offer multiple configurations, and we and we actually are going to have. Uh, kind of three sizes we have a small medium large and then you can you can get the different drive tra- trains like you said a front wheel drive an all-wheel drive it, you know a performance all-wheel drive and and that's really been enabled by the by the ultium um and and the configurations you can put together as well as like i said the styling um and the cg to, for the performance model so it, it kind of comes all together you know around the ultium it, it, it just ends up being a great package
0: across the board. Well, I was there at the the launch uh, out at the Pacific Design Center in Los Angeles. It was an exciting event. Very, very cool. And uh, one of the things that struck me about this is the fact that you have this in various flavors, right? I mean, it's not just... One vehicle with one configuration. This is this is really like a Blazer, right? I mean, you have all kinds of different trim levels and uh, up to the SS Performance model, which is just kind of mind blowing. You know, walk us through that a little bit, would you?
2: Yeah. So, so we, we you know, we're offering a one LT, a two LT, RS model, and SS models, right? And and so, you know, you you can you can get you know on on a one LT, it'll come in a front wheel drive. You know, the 2LT can come in a front-wheel drive or an all-wheel drive. And then the RS, you can get a front-wheel drive, you know, an all-wheel drive or even a rear-wheel drive option. And then on the SS, you can get a performance all-wheel drive option. So when you start talking about the different different flavors and configurations and options— it it really uh, gives the customers anything they could want.
0: I want to dive into the SS performance model, but but I'm intrigued by the uh, both front wheel drive and rear wheel drive RS. Tell me what the rationale is there.
2: Well, the the, the Altium kind of enables that for one thing, but but it but it also fits you know for example what a customer may need, right? So so if you were to say live live in a you know the mid range of the states where there's snow and other items. You may want a front-wheel drive if you live in the south, or or you, you you want say maybe a little bit more leaning towards a more performance-driven. You you may choose the rear-wheel drive. So it it just again it, it it's enabled by the uh, um, how things go or how the Ultium works and our drive king drive train configuration. So I mean, it just, it's just like I say, it's, it's it's really exciting.
0: It really is exciting stuff. And I mean, let's dive into the SS performance model. You kind of led with that uh, in the unveiling and I can see why. You know, tons of horsepower, really exciting looking vehicle. Give us the kind of the short course on what the SS is all about.
2: Yeah. So so, so the Ultium again, it, it enables us to get an SS. You wouldn't typically think of a Blazer with an SS model, but the low CG, the, the structural rigidity of of the Ultium uh, in the package kind of you know, enables that and you know you know it's it's we're going to be having up to 557 horsepower 564 foot pounds of torque you know a 293 mile range uh, you can get you can get summer tires or an all season tire. Depending on what you're looking at, sport tuned suspension, 22 inch tires. Make sure to clarify that right. So, it, it, and as as you probably saw, it it, it looks great. Uh, Brembo brake package for performance, and again, it'll be track tuned suspension.
0: I mean, it, really exciting vehicle, and uh, you know, talk about uh, zero to sixty acceleration. I mean, that's something that EVs do really well. But this got kind of mind blowing capabilities there, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, and so we we have what we call the wide open watts mode where you can actually get under, you know, we're, we're estimating right now under four seconds, zero to 60 acceleration.
0: How does that work? What happens there? You you just throw more electricity, I, I, I'm, more voltage at it? What happens in that kind of situation?
2: In, in that kind of situation, you, you add more current and essentially put more torque to, to, to the motors.
0: Okay. And they can only stand that for so long, right? I mean, it's not something that you would do over a lengthy period of time. It's kind of like you know a quick bo- boost of nitrous or something like that i would imagine
2: yes similar but you can actually enable that and leave that 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 mode on ah, um, okay but but you know i mean it uh, again it kind of you know
0: you know but uh you're gonna sap your range probably and
2: it in the, it, do, it does reduce your range because of because of current draw um but you can turn it on and off is it, it but it but it'll stay on for your entire key cycle
0: ah, it sounds really exciting but uh, what do you think is going to be the the high volume version of the Blazer EV? I mean, that's that's important to know, right?
2: Yeah. So, so the high volume versions, you know, we're looking at launching the the, the 2LT and the and the RS, uh, the initial models. All the models will be available within the first year. Obviously, there's going to be a launch cadence because they are a little bit different from building the plant. But right now they we're we're potentially planning on doing the two L T and the R S as, as the uh the, the, the initial models.
0: And these are twenty twenty four model year vehicles uh could launch in twenty twenty three. what's your launch timing?
2: So the, the, the vehicles will start being available in, in uh next summer, uh summer of twenty
0: three. You know, certainly EVs are more expensive than the typical uh, internal combustion engine vehicle of the same size, right? Do you have any kind of sense as to what the premium would be for this versus, you know, the internal combustion engine Blazer, which in a a lot of ways is is a completely different vehicle, right?
2: I mean, we have the pricing as doing a comparison. I I mean, you know, the the kind of the general pricing. um, Yeah, walk
0: me through that. That would be helpful.
2: Okay. Yep. So, so, so our, our, our one LT is, you know, and, and again, this is kind of standard, so it's not all the options, but you know, is going to be $44,995 and and that, that is with delivery costs, right. And, and the, that doesn't include a um, a rebate or, or tax rebate from the government because GM's been in the, you know, in the EV, are working on EVs for the past 10 years so all the credits are used up but that's a very competitive price with, without that and then our 2LT goes up to 47595 and then the RS is 51995 and then the, the SS is 65995 so we we believe very competitive prices and we think customers will be really Yeah,
0: happy. I think so too. I mean, I have driven a lot of the EVs. Now I've driven the the Hyundai Ioniq 5 the uh, Kia EV6 uh, and that sounds like you're very competitive with those vehicles and I think probably with a lot more interior room and potentially more range depending on the model uh, you know what's what's the range range the range of range uh, the lowest range to the highest range
2: so the the we, we start with our 1LT which is which is a uh, you know an estimated 247 miles on a full charge and then and then we move up to the 2LT which is an estimated 293, and then you can get in the RS. You can get up to 320 miles on full range, and then the SS is estimated to be 290 miles on a full on a on a full charge.
0: Let's talk about the the value of the Ultium platform and that you know essentially that roller skate that you put stuff on. Certainly, I think it, it strikes me that you probably have more interior space, more usable interior space. You've already mentioned the low center of gravity. What are some of the advantages of uh, the platform
2: so so the you know obviously we, we previously talked a little bit about but the but but the flexibility for the driveline configurations and, and in the case of getting a rear wheel drive there's no tunnel to the rear so you, you know you can get a full three passengers in the second row uh, w- without anywhere it, it allows it allows a larger front uh, spaciousness as well as larger passenger spaciousness just because of that ultium as well as pushing the wheels out a little bit to get it a little bit wider and a little bit longer, so I, I think we're we're very we we believe customers will be really happy with the, the spaciousness uh, and the usefulness of the vehicle.
0: Yeah, I mean a long wheelbase for the class typically results in more interior space, right, or more passenger room. So I, I imagine that's what you're going to deliver, among other things.
2: Yeah, and we've also we, we've also packaged around the lar- our, our large size battery.
0: So, it, 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 there's not a
2: difference in the spaciousness depending on what if you get to small, medium, or large. Uh, it's it's all been packed around the larger larger battery.
0: Right, and that battery pack is essentially very low in the vehicle. Right, it's under the floorboards uh, essentially.
2: Yeah. it's 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 under the floor. It, it again it, it helps with the lower CG, and well, and is also uh, it, it makes the vehicle very structurally sound. So when you're riding in the vehicle, just it just feels good,
0: and I imagine these are pretty quick vehicles. I mean, you don't have to quote a zero to sixty number to say that you know that immediate torque, a lot of horsepower, quick—that results in some some pretty quick times.
2: Yeah, I mean the vehicles are quick, and they 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 feel uh, the the way I describe it is is it's almost like being on a roller coaster. If you have been on some of the roller coasters that that kind of launch you, you, you get thrown back in your seat and the, the torque is there the the entire entire launch versus you know in an inter, internal combustion engine where it's it's a little slower so it, it, it feels it it feels quick uh, regardless of what model you're you're driving and you know and and again the EVs they are quick and are fast.
0: Brad, what do you think is a a cool feature that we haven't talked about? Something you're excited about uh, in the Blazer EV?
2: Well, so one of the one of the features I really personally like is the the, the interior design in the cockpit layout. So, you, you know, we've, we've got a 17 inch screen and 11 inch info, information cluster and it, and it kind of wraps around the driver. So it's driver centric. And, and I, I really feel that that's cool. Cause I, I sit a little further back in a seat and a lot of vehicles I have to lean forward to change a radio. Everything's within reach. You don't have to take your eye off the road. Um, and then, you know, kind of with that cockpit, there's a lot of we we've kind of incorporated or, or listened to the customers on. You you know, we have a lot of virtual buttons, but we also have a, a, a lot of actual physical buttons for for HVAC and other things. And and I and and I know that's not real exciting, but it's it's really helpful, and I really enjoy it when you get in a car and you got to turn up the AC or the heat or reach for something. It's just, just, you feel really comfortable driving it, which is, I just think, a great thing.
0: Well, I wish we had a lot more time to talk about this, but uh, I'm excited about the Blazer EV. Uh, Brett Dick of uh, Chevrolet, thanks so much for talking with us. We appreciate
2: it. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you.
0: And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jackney Redback, with you, and his listener question time. It's also the, near the end of the show, which goes so rapidly. But thanks to uh, Chris Teague for being with us as such an able co-host. It's terrific. And Chris, I think you have uh, the listener question for us, don't you?
1: I do. This one comes from Polly in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Polly asks, uh, are there any interesting or exciting new models coming out for the 2023 model year?
0: Well, I'm glad Polly asked because there are a ton of them, actually. I'm quite excited. I think I am anyway, and I'd love to have your take, Chris. But I think the Acura Integra, which I have yet to drive, should be exciting. There's a new Nissan Z that should be very exciting, a new version of the Subaru WRX. Uh, Those are just some of the Not super expensive vehicles that are coming out that I'm excited about. And I've I've driven some of the others. The Mercedes-Benz C-Class is certainly a cool one. What do you feel about the upcoming cars?
1: I think there's going to be uh, quite a few, especially on the EV side. But going back to the sort of sports car, muscle car, I think we'll see a new Ford Mustang maybe near or the end or middle of next year. So that'll be exciting. As you said, the Z car is going to be super exciting. Uh, we've got a crop of new EVs coming out. We'll see the, Riv- the Rivian R1S, I believe, next year at some point in time.
0: Yeah, I mean, that Blazer uh, EV, that SS should be very, very cool. The Cadillac Lyric is about to be out, an all-electric vehicle from Cadillac. And I guess that's our show for this week. Uh, Chris thanks so much for co-hosting you always do a marvelous job it's great to get together with you each week and chat about cars
1: thanks so much for letting me float in and out with my home disasters here but thanks everybody for listening if you like what you heard and you want to take us with you head to the sportsmapradio.com website you can find us there on the Saturday schedule you can download uh, our podcast from any of the major podcast platforms as well as a formatted radio version of the show
0: and uh, our great thanks to the sports map radio network stations for carrying america on the road we appreciate that most of all we appreciate you listening to america on the road thanks so much for being out there Uh, we'd love to hear from you so let us know about that and uh, you know pass us along if you like to uh, somebody else who might like america on the road Uh, we also have a video version now on youtube so you can check us out you can go into our inner sanctum and, and see what's going on at america on the road so Thanks so much for being with us, and we hope to join you again next week for another edition of America on the Road.